Hello and welcome to the JNM podcast. My name is Jeanette. This is a podcast where we talk about a movie, TV show, um, or anything that we could think of. And then we talk about the summary and then the characters. Uh, if you are listening for the first time, welcome. And if you're coming back, welcome back. Hope you're doing well. Before I get into any details, I would like to welcome back my guest, Nzinga Murray. Hi, how's it going? Uh, yeah, I'm back. Very excited to be here again. Uh, thanks for having me. And <laughs> this will be very interesting. <laughs> Jeanette and I are right together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so today we are going to be talking about the 1986 sports comedy film Wildcats. It was directed by Michael Ritchie and written by Ezra Sachs. So, yeah. <laughs> so the log line is a single mother of two leaves her coaching job for the girls track team at an affluent high school to take over a football team at an inner city Chicago high school. Once hired, she has to balance her lifestyle while trying to lead the team to success. Uh, I received information from Wikipedia, TV Over Mind, a blog post called It's Film There, and IMDb. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's necessary too because I, this movie predates both of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh so it stars uh goldie hawn as molly mcgrath you may know her from death becomes her the first wives club overboard and private benjamin uh or my favorite movie of hers snatched <laughs> oh yeah i forgot about that <laughs> she <was> snatched <laughs> You should watch it. It's fun. <laughs> the next person is Swoozy Kurtz as Verna McGrath, her sister. She was in Pushing Daisies, the TV show Liar Liar, and a play called Fifth of July. Oh, shoot. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I couldn't place her when I was watching the movie, and I was like, I've seen that woman before. <laughs> yeah, I immediately know knew her from liar liar as like the other lawyer like the yeah. defendant or plaintiff next you have bruce mcgill as dan darwell uh you may know him from animal house rosolian isles the tv show and my cousin Vinny. yeah i remember that i couldn't place him either but i'm like that makes so much sense he's way nicer in rosolian isles than he is oh yeah like <laughs> And it's so interesting because Animal House, he plays this like very tough and but yet mysterious guy who rides a motorcycle. And then my cousin Vinny, he plays a like sheriff in like the small town. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's but he's always had that solid gut. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 He, I think like Animal House was the only time he was like somewhat thin, but he was still a big guy. Like, yeah. Next, you have Mikelty Williamson as Levander, aka Bird Williams. Uh, you may know him from Forrest Gump. He was Bubba. Yeah. <laughs> he was also in Con Air, The Purge Election Year, 
I think he was like the the guy that owned the convenience store. Yeah. And Fences. So he played in both the film adaptation and the 2010 Broadway revival. Nice. Yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, next, we have Wesley Snipes as Tremaine. Uh, you may know him from Blade Trilogy. <laughs> uh, White Man Can Jump. Which is true. Uh, yes, very true. <laughs> uh, Jungle Fever and Demolition Man. Um, yeah. yeah, but it feels like this was like one of his early credits because he's like super small in it. Like I almost didn't recognize him because he he basically looks like a teenager. So. Yeah, I mean, like, he's still, for me, he still could pass as, like, a young adult. Mm. Um, but, yeah, like, this, uh, Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson, like, this is their first, like, film, like, working. Yeah. So, yeah, it <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> Next, we have Tab Thacker as Philip Finch. He was a former NCAA wrestler for North Carolina State University, and he was also in Police Academy 4 and 5. Yeah. So he was the big guy. Right. Uh, <laughs> Gotta have one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next, we have Woody Harrelson as Kuzinski. Uh, he was in Cheers, the TV show, The People versus Larry Flint's. Uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, and Zombieland. Yeah, and like a buttload of other things. Like you didn't mention like Hunger Games. <laughs> well, because like I try to like get stuff that like okay, a lot of people would know him from, and in my head, <laughs> so you can just said and and Woody Harrelson, he was in everything because he's basically been in everything. He's in every major franchise these days. So that's where you know him from, all the things. Yeah. I clear I clarified it for you. Like I okay, so in Hunger Games, he was a guy that had the Keith Urban haircut going on. <laughs> yeah, he was like the bum who had like won years before and helped mentor them before they went to kill each other. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh and then fine. <laughs> Uh, and then finally, we have Jesus Garcia, who was credited as Nick Corey as Carullo. Uh, he was in Nightmare on Elm Street, Predator 2, and Candyman, Day of the Dead. No recent credits. No. Like, yeah. I think Candyman was, like, his, like, recent big hit. Like, he's been in other ones, but, like, they weren't as popular or, like well-known yeah so yeah in terms of the backstory the film uh took place and was shot uh during the summer of chicago the location of central high school was a shipping building that was never a high school during its entire history the football field was a vacant lot about half a block from the high school location the location for Prescott High School football field during the championship game was at Lane Technical High School. And apparently that high school is like known for having a lot of films being shot there, like in terms of football or like field wise. <laughs> uh, like the go to like field. 
for yeah 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 okay good to know so for that scene extras were asked to show up in winter gear and act like it was cold outside however temperatures uh during the time of that scene were in the 80s so it was pretty warm for them yeah that's wild too because um that scene like goldie hans like fully in like a big jacket and a scarf and I was like there's no way it's that cold no it was like sunny out I'm like how is this happening (laughs) (laughs) LL Cool J's song football rap appeared during the opening credits and also in the end credits but didn't appear on the film's soundtrack album nor was it ever commercial uh was it ever commercially released uh, he also made a cameo in the film as the rapper performing at the high school event, like that kind of like party that they had at the gymnasium. Yeah, he's credited as that too. I saw in the yeah. credits that it says like, you know, uh, dance rapper and it's LL Cool J. And I was like, what? But he's he's young still. So he's not hard to get like he is today. <laughs> yeah, I think this is like before like um his hit like Mama's gonna knock you out or something. So he's like he was still uh easily obtainable to come to Chicago and, and rap for a little This film, like I said, uh was a film debut for both Woody Hellerson and Wesley Snipes. Both were later work on three more films together, uh, White Man Can't Jump, Money Train, and Play It to the Bone. They were probably friends then. <laughs> oh yeah, there. like um, another fun fact was for uh, White Man Can't Jump, uh, I think Keanu Reeves was supposed to play Woody Harrelson's uh, part, but Wesley Snipes, like, purposely made it very awkward so that they're so that the director would think that oh they don't have chemistry and then just uh replace Keanu Reeves with uh Woody Harrelson that sounds like Wesley Snipes yeah (laughs) but I mean okay I I can't picture um, that film with Keanu Reeves he doesn't have the chops to do some of the stuff they did there's no way so it was probably choice but also very classic (laughs) (laughs) I think like at the time like he was still doing the Bill and Ted so it would be kind of weird to have like this surfer dude (laughs) yeah no way (laughs) yeah um so fun fact one of the older women at the all-girls school was Gloria Stewart who was the woman who played the 80-year-old Rose in Titanic uh I can't speak to that because I haven't seen that movie (laughs) oh okay well it's that meme um I don't know if you've seen it but it's the meme that it's this old lady being like it's been 80 years since I've seen that boat or it's been 80 years since I've seen something that's mm-hmm. kind of she's clearly been old for a while yeah uh, but yeah. uh <laughs> <laughs> so she was the lady in the red dress that told Goldie Hawn that oh yeah they'll they'll get her something to eat and then the lady next to her was Anne Doran who played James Dean's mother in Rebel Without a Cause old lady's gotta work too yeah 
the football song from the uh the wildcats team performs the football rap at the end of the movie and made almost like a music video to be to have a parody of the 1985 Chicago Bears Super Bowl shuffle and it was this kind of music video that the Chicago Bears uh, decide to do in celebration for their first and only Super Bowl and yeah yeah see for me like and you should like put the link in, you know, the description of wherever this airs. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would say um, for me, because I'm so much younger, <laughs> is uh, it made me think of Holes. Like if you've ever seen Holes uh, with Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Like um, at the end of the movie, they're all like standing around and they all do like a like a rap verse where they're freestyle <laughs> about their characters experiences. And that's what it made me think of. <laughs> so watch holes guys <laughs> i digress i'm sorry <laughs> no worries uh so the film uh when it was released it was panned by critics and the audience alike criticizing the film for containing the white savior trope uh, many had trouble thinking that a white woman had to come in basically saving the program that was dominated by young black men. That's every movie. I don't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't, that's white savior is sort of an element of Hollywood. You can't really escape that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's kind of funny that they picked this film, but they don't mention all the other films so that's why I'm like why this film yeah, seriously it's not like things change like I saw a white savior movie the other day yeah <laughs> it happens all the time it's not I mean sure great <laughs> but also like you just complaining yeah do anything about it like I guess why don't you start with all the movies where white dudes <laughs> are white saviors so yeah, yeah, start with those first, and then and then we'll talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not you specifically, though. I mean Hollywood. I'm talking to Hollywood directly. <laughs> Regardless, like it's a fun movie with a little bit of a feminist take. I mean, as far as you can with the white male director, white male um, writer. But I, I think that. Um, I think that's not the thing to focus on, you know, like focus on the feminism of it, focus on the, uh, not you specifically, but like, there were a lot of good things about this movie, um, without going into the race, racism of it all. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think, I think in general, like they, the, the feminism is, is the, the real point of the movie. Like they're showing a woman who endured a lot of ridicule and a lot of sexism from, pretty much every element of the story um, just so that she could do the thing that she loves. And so I think that's, that's the point. And uh, I'm not going to knock that for what it was. Um, oh yeah. Goldie Hawn's like a pioneer um, in that element. So I appreciated that they had this movie at all in the eighties. Oh yeah. Yeah. Also um, the film is similar to the 1996 comedy film called Eddie uh, which stars Whoopi Goldberg as a New York Knicks fan who uh, becomes the team's new head coach. 
Yeah, and I've never seen it, but um, the New York Knicks can get uh, should deserve all the help they can get. So uh, they need it. So fictionally yeah. and otherwise. So. Yeah. So the film starts with Molly McGrath, uh, daughter of fame football coach, uh, posing in a football uniform while coaching the ladies track team for Prescott High School. She tries to talk to Principal Walker to see if she can take over uh, the head coach position for the junior varsity football team, but he tells her to talk to Dan Darwell who is the head coach of the varsity team. Molly's sister, Verna, advises her to go on a, quote, date with Dan uh, to talk about the position, uh, which then cuts to them at a racquetball area playing a game. And while there, Molly tries to ask Dan if she could coach the uh, JV football team, but he tells her that girls can't coach a football team despite Molly's qualifications. Yeah, and she basically deals with that the whole movie. It's just a bunch of people being like, you've got boobs, you can't coach. Yeah. When uh, I guess like they're like, oh, let's like play a game and whoever wins would yeah, decide. Okay. Yeah. So in the end, Molly beats Dan at the racquetball game And then Dan tells uh, Molly that both of them uh, and Walker will talk about it when they come back to school. I think it was on Monday. So Molly goes back to her house to gather all of her dad's playbooks uh, to which she kept um, like just kind of as a backup while her daughters, Alice and Marion, get ready for a trip with their dad, Frank. Now, at this time, uh, Molly and Frank are divorced and they're living in separate houses and they kind of share custody with the daughters where like one weekend, Alice and Marion go with Frank and then when they come back, they like stay with Molly. Yeah, uh, dick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, big old dick. I mean, like, did you see his hair? Like, yeah, it's oh, a very dick so hair. Lovely. It's, yeah. it's fluffy 80s dick hair. <laughs> and he's also like remarried, I think. <laughs> I th- I thought it was his girlfriend. I wasn't clear because she was in like every scene. Yeah. <laughs> so, like she, she's clearly attached to him by the hair. Yeah. She participates in everything. So yeah. yeah. He, but the important thing here is that he's a dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> When Frank sees the playbooks, he's like, oh, you're you're getting rid of them finally. And Molly lies to him, knowing that if she brings up her new position uh, as a football coach, that he's going to sink and agree with the other men, basically. Yeah, and uh, she, we kind of learned from that that she's fairly insecure about, like, standing up to him. Um, despite the fact that she wants to break boundaries and be a football coach for dudes, she has trouble standing up to her um, ex-husband who has no control over her and she can tell him to kick rocks if she wants, but doesn't. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I mean, like she does like, you know, evolve over time. Well, yeah, but that's the movie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> the beginning is she doesn't know how to stand up to her ex-husband. 
so yeah. <laughs> okay, so on Monday when uh, Molly uh, goes back to the school, she finds out that Darwell already hired the home ed teacher to take over the JV coaching position. She tries to object to the decision, uh, but Darwell already signed her to coach uh, for the varsity team at Central High School. Yeah, uh, and also, my teacher doesn't know jack shit about football. I know. <laughs> and he only did that because he didn't want her coaching on his, like for his crew. So he's like, why don't we send you to the hood of Chicago and you can coach a bunch of black kids and, and one token white guy um for that team because they suck anyway and they'll take whatever they can get (laughs) yeah yeah because like i remember there's this like scene where she does tests like the home ed guy um to be like well do you know this and it's like very like innuendo uh words that she uses but like can you uh, do you know uh how to properly penetrate (laughs) yeah and then he's like what like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> thinking that oh it's a sex term it's like no no that's a position <laughs> when darwell uh brings up the new position at central high school the principal walker immediately stands up and is like oh don't you think this is too dangerous for molly but darwell states that she's a big girl which is like okay <laughs> Yeah. So to show uh, Darwell and the other men in the room that she can coach varsity team, Molly takes the position. And the next day she arrives at the high school uh, only to be chased by two guard dogs, like two Doberman um, dogs. Yeah, that was total crap to me personally. Like just because they're in the hood doesn't mean that they allow dogs in the Public. Yeah, so I felt like that was written by someone who's never actually stepped foot in a public high school before. <laughs> yeah, usually, like, I'll be fine, like, with, like, a security guard or, like, I don't know. Yeah, but, like, at the very least, they just won't have any type of security. They won't just have guard dogs in a high school. That's yeah dis- disruptive. <laughs> yeah. So thought, that was, like, a like when I was watching that, my eyes, like, rolled back into my head. Like, there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> so when the dogs come she like runs to uh principal principal edwards's office where she meets principal edwards who plays uh who's played by nipsey russell and principal edwards says hi he's like oh yeah like the guard dogs are there because the security guard is off today yeah <laughs> crap (laughs) yeah he hands her the player stats and then she gets very excited she's like ready to like hit the ball running uh however edwards tells her that she doesn't have any assistant coaches and is unsure how to gather the boys together once school starts so molly at this point is rethinking about the position but edwards advises her that she may not get another chance to coach a football team 
Yeah, and I guess like what basically what he's saying is, you know, there's probably not a lot of funding in the for this football team anyway. And so they have very lax rules about when they show up for practice, you know, how much effort they put in, you know, how much money they support in equipment. So it's not it's not necessarily that the guys don't want to play or that there's juvenile delinquents or anything. It's more of like a lack of school funding and you kind of see it in the difference between just from the 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 types of school districts they're in like Prescott where she was is like predominantly white fully funded like fresh new uniforms like a full coaching staff and just you know by you know the realities of American society the sort of more urban more you know inner city school just by the the appearance of it like Jeanette was saying that their <clears throat> the set was like was like a cargo holding warehouse or something like, yeah they made it seem how, like it was it was like run down or like right it's like it's like a that's how like south central and like other urban high schools look it's just middle of the city you know less funded like they even make a joke at one point where you know there's um <clears throat> they can't afford computers for the kids. Like, it's just like, uh, it's just a, it's a poorly funded, like athletic program. So it's not really that they don't care. It's just that they don't have the money to, you yeah. know, you know, care. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so on the first day of practice, the players introduced Molly in the locker rooms with no pants and only their helmets covering their privates. So like in the scene, basically Molly comes in and then Tremaine is like, oh, like welcome to the team. And they're all covering their privates with helmets. And then they immediately put their helmets on revealing the privates. Their dicks are out. Yeah. Uh, they're trying to scare her off by having what, 40 dicks just swinging in the wind. But- yeah jokes on them yeah so she's like okay like head to the fields in five minutes and then once outside the team continues to like try to you know yeah Yeah. by playing loud music and kind of like making comments at molly and basically she she tries to make the team perform stretches but have the team leave arguing that they wanted to play football Cause like her uh, promise was that they're going to play football, but if, but they don't want to do like the stretching or like the exercises in order to play they, football. They just give her like major attitude for her insisting they do hard work. Yeah. Yeah. So Molly then encouraged the other half of the team to stay and practice in hopes of defeating the other half um in a scrimmage the next day so while verna drives molly back home uh, molly tells her that she's going to quit the position however verna tells molly that darwell already had a bet pull on how long molly will last as coach uh and before she uh heads to her house verna hands molly a gift to which she opens it as uh, she is calling Principal Edward to talk about quitting. 
the GIF is revealed to be a stopwatch with a personal message from Verna, Alice, and Marion. So seeing the GIF, she changes her mind. Yeah, which is something she does the whole movie. Like I know. Wait, next minute she's like, oh, never mind. Yeah, it. I would say like she. It's like they did it like three times to be like, oh wow, like look at like the improvement. And I'm like, we get it. Like she quit. She- we need to make this an element of her personality. Yeah. It's like, stop making her quit. Why is she quitting so many times? You've got so many other problems to be worried about. I know. <laughs> uh, so the next day, the team plays a scrimmage game. Molly's uh, team is winning. And, like, I would say, like, halfway into the game, uh, one of the players of uh, the Defiance half that left uh, after practice, Cerullo, changes, like, he decides to charge at Molly when they uh, play and basically causing her to fall. But it's kind of weird because I don't know how the fall could cause her to have a injury like yeah he like knocks her over and she's so frail that she gets like <laughs> hit in the eye when she falls yeah but um i think like even though they're having a scrimmage they're still very much not in support of molly so yeah. like it's basically like you said like it's the scrimmage is half the team is the folks that's have no respect for her and the other half of the team are the guys who still don't have any respect for her but still want to play <laughs> yeah so it, but there's they still dislike her and still disrespect her which is why you know as the scrimmage was ending they were like we're gonna tackle a grown-ass woman <laughs> yeah so yeah uh so basically the the players laugh it off um and then leave and then Molly comes back to her house only to find that Darwell already hired someone to take over her track and field coaching job. She's stuck. Yeah. Uh, so the next day, Molly goes to her office to find it vandalized and her stopwatch damaged. So, furiated, uh, Molly goes to the team's locker room and offers them a deal by running around the track field. The deal is if she stops running before the team does, she will quit her job. But if the team quits running before her, they will have to respect her. And basically it goes on for like, I would say like a B-roll of, you know, just like a montage. And then after a couple hours, all the players quit and Molly is the last person standing and she tells him that they owe her a new stopwatch. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's like an endurance challenge. So, and we find out that she, like, it was pretty clear she was going to win all along. But then she's like, I've ran the Boston Marathon twice. Yeah. So they didn't have a chance. <laughs> yeah. And then there was like uh, one of the players said, fuck you. And then she comes back, is like, fuck you, what? And then it was like, fuck you coach right so basically because she out she outran all of them uh miraculously they now or she has their respect now so um 
so yeah. they're just cooperative <laughs> yeah which is like that's not how it works but okay you just had to beat them in a race <laughs> so. yeah it's like okay so that's that's like the solve solving okay. all problems we don't care that you're a woman anymore yeah it's like oh never mind yeah. you beat us <laughs> Yeah, I, also, I also just want to say that like despite like the fact that she does eventually earn everyone's respect like she never has she's never actually played football <laughs> and no one says anything <laughs> like she's never coached football but she's also never actually played football and they I feel like realistically they she would have gotten way more pushback than that it's like if, if I could yeah. do was be play be an NBA player was to just beat somebody in a race that would be so easy. <laughs> Feminism over. We did it. <laughs> we did it, you guys. We did it. We don't need to do anything else. <laughs> it's like case closed. That's it. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> like imagine if equal pay for all. Oh my god. <laughs> it's just like a foot race away. <laughs> if we just had to be like, okay, politicians. If we beat you in a race. Or like the CEO, like he'd be just like in a line. There'd be a line of women just waiting for their chance to, to beat him in a foot race. And that's all he did all day. <laughs> like if you beat me, you get to get paid equally to all the dudes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, but yeah. But yeah. And then also like like the only thing that is qualifies like Molly to coach is that she had a dad who was a famous coach. Yeah. Who they never actually brought up. Like they said, yeah. he, was, he loved football, but like, we don't even know what his name was or who yeah. he was for. Yeah. And also it's like, was he an actual NFL coach? Like, cause his Jersey did not look like an NFL team. Like it just, right. yeah. But they like it was almost like because no one knew her as like the daughter of a famous coach. Yeah, they just knew. I mean, the people who knew she liked football, they just knew that she really liked football. That yeah. was it. There was no like, well, you're from football royalty or something like that. None of that happened. So they were really just hiring. I mean, woman or man, they were just hiring some random person off the street who knew a lot about football. Yeah, <laughs> that's the case. I mean, come on, I should be like a famous film director <laughs> or something or these foot races man this is my chance <laughs> uh, yeah. uh so yeah so basically um she goes back to her house and takes a nice warm bath oh my least favorite scene of the movie continue <laughs> yes and then for some reason i don't know how he got in but then Frank comes in, like not even coming in through the door. It, he's just standing there. And Dance over <laughs> her naked body while she takes a bath. Yeah. And, and show it. Yeah. Show her nude body. I'm like, in what, like, why does is that necessary? There was no reason to show Goldie Hawn like buck naked. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. So he comes in. Well, he's actually standing there. But he starts talking, saying like, "Oh, he he's very concerned about her new job at Central High School," 
Molly ignores him, telling him that they are now divorced and she doesn't need to listen to him anymore. And while they're arguing, uh, Frank's wife, girlfriend, uh, named Stephanie, who plays, uh, who's played by Jane Hooks, she's like with in like the <clears throat> in the other room with uh, Molly's daughters, Alice and Marion basically trying to make conversation with them but they're like yeah you're not you're not our new yeah yeah touch stepmom yeah yeah after the argument frank leaves the house only to forget his girlfriend and uh yeah like hold on like the one thing this see this is why i hate this scene so much because he basically he is her let's make this super clear everyone he is her ex-husband ex-husband and he walks into her while she's taking a bath in the news <laughs> to tell her that he doesn't approve of her new job. He has no control or say over what she's doing. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because he's a sexist prick like every other dude in this movie, he tells her, hey, even though we are not married anymore, we no longer share a bank account or a house, I still disapprove of the job you have. And that's why I'm a modern feminist. She needs to fight him in a foot race. <laughs> She's like, okay, why don't we do? <laughs> why don't we do a foot race and we'll talk about it? <laughs> Seriously, that's just like ridiculous. <laughs> so then it goes on to a montage over the next like several days where Molly trains the team. Like they do like kind of aerobic exercises yeah which kind of looks like dance moves like you know what it looks like jazzercise yes yes that's that's what i was trying to find that'll make sense later yeah so after that montage then it goes to their first game and the team basically is distracted by the other team's mascot which is a goat even though they're cougars but <laughs> i digress that joke that made no sense <laughs> yeah and at least one of the players would always ring the goat's bell so they were more distracted about that than about playing the game yeah. so they end up losing but molly tells them that they played a good game and you know not to like like been our shape about it basically the next day when molly hands out playbooks to the players uh, she finds the other team's mascot hiding in one of the lockers uh <laughs> and this is around the time that principal edwards enters the uh, locker rooms to tell the team that the other high school called him that their goat is missing and wonders if anyone knows anything about it and it's like a weird moment where like goldie's trying to make noises as like the goat is like bawling, like bah yeah it's like silly slapstick like yeah. they don't want the principal to find out so no one gets expelled so she covers for the team which i guess is supposed to be like a trust moment where she they're like they they trust her enough to keep their secrets and and protect them at all costs so 
I mean, I feel like there could have been more of a sentiment behind it, but she ended up just taking responsibility and, and covering it all up for them. Yeah. And uh, she later uh, takes a go back to the high school and like drops it off. Yeah. So when she comes back to the house, she finds Marion eating ice cream uh, and Alice with a pink hairdo. Uh, so Alice tries to leave with her friend to go to the library, which at this time, it's like 9 p.m., it seems like. And I'm like, shouldn't the library be closed by now? I mean, among other things, Jeanette, she's like 13. I know. <laughs> she lives in Chicago. She should not be leaving the house to go to the library at nine anyway, even if it is a 24-hour library. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but... Uh... <laughs> Well, the, the hours of operation of the library. <laughs> well, like, you know, like, why does she need to go to the library? Like, she clearly wasn't going to the library. <laughs> <laughs> but Molly tells her to stay and have dinner. Uh, so upset, she goes upstairs. Alice does. And then Molly has to go and follow her and basically have like a talk saying that she doesn't really care about the hairdo and in fact she was kind of waiting to like react to it without just yelling at alice wait you mentioned the hairdo she did you even say what it was she like she had pink hair she yeah the, it, the daughter was a blonde and when molly came home she had dyed her hair pink to try and get some attention and molly at first tried to ignore it because she wanted to be supportive, but apparently her daughter was actually looking for a real, like a real reaction. So that was sort of a point of contention. And like their so their heart to heart that they have later, like you said, was about, you know, I really do hate your hair, but I was trying to be a supportive mother. And I think that like what what, what I thought was gonna be like a like a movie long you know, relationship build thing between mother and daughter pretty much resolved itself in like two scenes. Yeah. And then basically she also asks Alice and Marianne to support her in uh, her coaching career, basically. Yeah. So uh, one day Molly and Krushinsky You just call him... uh, uh woody harrelson <laughs> yeah okay molly and woody uh goes to principal edwards's office to see if um he can tell them where levander williams is in hopes to bring him back on as quarterback edwards advises molly that even though levander is a great quarterback he has been working on the criminal side and is a serial truant um, at the high school. But Molly ignores him and tries to look for Levander. And it's kind of like her going like to Levander's house, who then tells, like, I think it's like her his um, little brother tells her to go to someone else who may know where he is. And then that person tells her to go to this bar where she finds Levander. Yeah, and he's just, he's basically just working the streets. That's why she, she, it takes her a while to find him because he's like, 
he's not a drug dealer thank goodness but he's more of like a fencer he'll like he's the guy who opens up his jacket and he has all these like expensive yeah things yeah that he uh is trying to sell uh, yeah (laughs) yeah like either like just selling like counterfeit tvs or counterfeit jewelry watches yeah yeah she finds him with two men um, and like tries to get him to recruit um, into the team. Uh, however, the men that Levander is with um, ask if they can use her van and have her drive them to this one of their mother's apartments, quote unquote. But then they go to this alley where. Uh, one of the guy tries to like climb onto the van to get into like a window on the second floor of the apartment. However, Molly is worried that they're going to break her van's roof. So she offers to climb up. But before she could get inside the apartment, the two men get spooked after hearing uh, cop sirens and drive away with Molly's van, leaving Molly and Levander alone. So Levander helps Molly get down and hide in a nearby dumpster. And once inside, he makes a deal with her uh, to come back to the team uh, and return her van as long as she doesn't turn him in for his crimes, which he really didn't do anything, but yeah, I yeah, did. I mean, like just by being there, he could have gotten arrested. Um, and so uh, she kind of extorts him and is like, I'll let the police know where we are and we can both go to jail or you can, I'll be very quiet and uh, and in return, you'll come and be our star quarterback. And yeah. he, he, and basically his whole problem, the, the reason why he doesn't want to go at first and play is because he doesn't want to play for a team that's always losing. And, and one thing that they downplayed was that last year, the team only won one game and that was because of a forfeit. Uh, so he didn't want to be on a team that sucked. Yeah. You know? So, um, but also too, like, I feel like if my potential coach is sitting in a dumpster, I wouldn't fight that hard to, you know, no, pass. I mean, <laughs> I mean, she's gone, like, she's gone out of her way to, to like meet him and to find him. So I'm like, yeah, like she's not, like being like she just like like how would you say like she's not like just being like she's not blowing smoke up his ass she's just she's like hey we could really do something with you and we're not going to be losing every game and you're really good and we need a, a quarterback so just come back and so but he's more inclined he's he's more willing to do it because he doesn't want to get arrested so um yeah yeah but i mean it does not it doesn't take a lot of hard fighting because that's not the point of this movie so he does (laughs) he does eventually come back yeah so yeah so he comes back the next day during practice and woody is demoted from quarterback to slot back uh which is a position on a football team (laughs) yeah i had to look up apparently there it's like there's another word for it so it took me a while (laughs) now i want to know what it is you do the thing and i'll come back (laughs) yeah 
So uh, the team goes on to win their first game with Levander as quarterback. And uh, later that day, uh, Molly throws a party for the team at her house to celebrate. At the time of the party, Frank comes in to the house and plans to, like, you know, pick up the kids for the weekend. Uh, with oh, sorry, Steph- He's just a receiver. <clears throat> a slot back is a receiver. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, cool. So Frank is with Stephanie and they're there to pick uh, Alice and Marion up for the weekend. However, once he gets inside, he criticizes Molly for allowing the players to drink alcohol and for Alice to have pink hair. And Marion, same motherfucker, because like one of the players, when he was handing uh, Marion and Alice drinks, he said, motherfucker. While Frank is arguing with Molly, Stephanie is like kind of being blocked by Tremaine because he's like kind of like flirting with her, but also just like saying hi. But Tremaine's okay, girlfriend, you know, that Tremaine hits on literally everyone. He, for oh, yeah, you like he, he, every woman he comes in contact with, he thinks she wants him. So that's sort of a ongoing thing where he just hits on every, every vagina he finds. Yeah. And apparently Tremaine's girlfriend sees it and attacks Stephanie, to which Frank tries to intervene, but then pushes Alice into a bookshelf, making her nose bleed, which another thing, it was like, how could this like not like her falling into a bookshelf makes her nose bleed? I don't know. I would say like, like Alice and Molly are very fragile. Like they gotta be careful. <laughs> They're dainty little women. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Frank then accidentally punches Principal Edwards, thinking he was quote unquote one of them. This yeah, causes sort of racist, like yeah. a in- insinuation that you know he thought that Principal Edwards who is black uh was one of the delinquents in molly's house who are mostly black so yeah um that was a like a touch on race without touching on race <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh so alice and marianne go to frank's car with stephanie while frank lectures uh to molly Moore about her parenting skills and the next day molly's lawyer uh, receives a letter from Frank's lawyer of a potential custody battle. So Molly's lawyer tells her not to worry about it, thinking that this is just all talk and no bite type of thing. Uh, but uh, Molly is kind of like concerned. She then goes and plays racquetball with Berna, only for Darwell to come in. And as they're leaving the racquetball room, uh, Darwell tells Molly that giving her the coaching position was actually a prank and having her team win a couple of games is making the sport be a joke in the region, which... Yeah, he's just empty rudeness for no reason. But in my experience, when dudes start insulting women who they normally think they're inferior, uh, uh, superior against, in shows not necessarily in real life but also kind of real life but um but uh it's usually because they see them as a threat so um where in the beginning like a lot of 
his demeanor towards Molly is very like mockery and he he giggles a lot and he makes fun of her behind and in front of her in front of her for him to start telling her that she's a joke and she's not worth anything it's clear and I think we're supposed to get the fact that it's clear that he feels like um her presence in the sport and the success that her team is having is cause for concern for him so he's trying to throw off her game yeah she basically ignores him and actually uses Darwell's comments as a driving force for the team's motivation. However, she not- notices Philip Finch, who is um, one of the students at Central High School, standing by the players at the benches and, and giving them their essays for their classes. Um, Molly basically is like, I need you to leave. Um, I guess this is just a scene just to introduce him, basically. Uh, the t- Yeah, the team... Uh- no, I, I, I actually do. Have- <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Finch is like, he's that sort of nerdy guy who like does everyone's homework. Um, and, but he's also got a level of arrogance. He's like a very large guy, like, like physically imposing to everybody, even the football players. Yeah. And, but he, and you know, you, cause you said that's classic. Like there's some nerdy kid who like does everyone's homework. You that's classic high school, everything trope. Yeah. But he is very like, I'm smarter than you. I know more than you. I want to make money. So if you give me money, I'll do your homework, but I'm superior intelligence. I have superior intelligence and, and things like that. So he's not the typical nerd. He's, he's more of a dick. I guess, but not as much yeah. as like the other guys, but like, you know, he's like, I'm vastly superior here. Uh, yeah, it's I'm, almost like kind of like, oh, I went to Harvard type of feeling. Yeah. Where it's he's like got a sense of arrogance. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> in a way that you don't normally see nerds. Yeah. Yeah. During that game, the team goes on to win that game and then another one, uh, causing Principal Edwards to notify Molly that the team is going to the playoff. She screams in excitement. However, she loses her voice. So she has like no voice for like I think a couple of weeks. Yeah, she's um, laryngitis, I think. Yeah. yeah. So while she recovers, uh, she gets together with Frank uh to talk things over. He advises the girls who go to an all-girls private school in upstate. However, once they're there at the school, Molly finds uh, finds out that Frank made a deal with the deans uh, to have Molly take over the school's physical education program in order for the girls to attend. She yeah, it's like an all-girls boarding school. Yeah. So she immediately declines and uh, leaves. Yeah, and she's also doesn't have her voice during this whole time, so she declines without actually saying anything. <laughs> yeah, like she kind of implies, like you motherfucker, like. Well, that she she actually literally mouths the words motherfucker, which was yeah. fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. One day, uh, Cerullo uh, enters himself while trying to dent a locker for a lady friend, despite Philip 
uh, warning him. When Molly finds out, she recruits Philip as the replacement. Even though Philip wears a uniform, he fails to participate unless he gets a fee from Molly. Yeah, and Finch. Finch, is, Finch and Philip are the same dude. Yeah. The, the, the big nerdy guy. Yeah. Yeah. So Levander manages to tell one of the players to push, to push Finch, causing him to basically take down two players from the other team and allowing uh, Central High School to win the playoffs. But while they're celebrating, Molly's lawyers comes up to her and tell her, tells her that Frank wants to go to court because he was upset about the incident at the boarding school. Um, so Darwell stops by Principal Edwards' office to see if he can kick some of Molly's players out for poor academic performance. However, Edwards tells him that he will check the grades once the computers arrive in two years, aka he's not going to do it. This is another scene that I wasn't a big fan of yeah. personally because I don't know. I, I find myself comparing the movie a lot to Coach Carter. And um, that was about like an like an inner city group who uh, was able to, it's basically the same story except that it was basketball and the coach was a black man instead of a white woman. Yeah. And a big part of, you know, his coaching method was to push his players to be academically sound. So not only they were eligible, but they also had college to fall back on. Yeah. So I was a little disappointed when the principal of Central High School was basically supporting the kids not being academically eligible. Um, it was a little bit of a low point for me because it just it just sort of the integrity of the school kind of went down the toilet <laughs> a bit. Yeah, basically like he's more focused on winning like the state championship than actually making the kids go to college. Yeah, and even though the Prescott coach was like being vindictive and he's like, hey, I don't know if I'm going to be able to beat them on the field. So let me just uh, point out that they're ineligible and that sucks. It, it was also kind of a bummer that like the, the principal was so willing to just overlook their grades. Yeah. Um, because like, and I guess baby steps, but like, it was a little disappointing to see that like, okay, so they play football. Well, what happens if they injure themselves and they don't have like anything to fall back on? And it just yeah. bummed me out a bit. <laughs> I agree. Cause like, even though, you know, people could be really great in like high school sports like not everyone will go to like college sports or professional so it's very small margin during the victory party at the school's gymnasium one of the players or just like one of the party goers um puts alcohol at the school's like punch bowl that they have uh, to which Alice then uh, starts drinking the punch juice. Yeah, uh, she know that it's been spiked. Yeah. She, I said she's 13. She sees the punch bowl, she goes to get a drink, but she didn't see somebody spike it. So she wasn't aware that it was, I don't think anyone was aware that it was happening. It was like two different, two different cuts. Yeah. Um, weird cuts, by the way, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is a bit weird. 
But while that is happening, Verna tells Molly that Frank doesn't have a case and that she shouldn't be worried about it. But given the fact that she knows that Molly is more concerned about her kids and making sure that they're with her, Verna advises Molly to tell the players that she's quitting instead of going um, away in silence. However, when Molly tries to do that, the team gives her a new stopwatch. So feeling emotional, Molly fails to tell them that she's quitting and goes on celebrating with the team. Meanwhile, uh, as Tremaine and his girlfriend are heading out, they find Alice drunk and they the two take her back to Molly's house. However, Alice calls Frank while... Jermaine and his girlfriend are in the living room um, and Frank knows that Alice is drunk so he immediately drives at high speeds with Stephanie back to Molly's house and then Molly tries to look for Alice back at the gymnasium to which Phil, uh, Philip tells her that Jermaine took her to the house. Molly, Verna, Philip make it to the house at the same time as Frank and Stephanie. They find Tremaine and his girlfriend uh, trying to get dressed while also finding Alice drunk in her bedroom, uh, to which Frank then tells Molly that he is going to get custody um, of the children. And he, now that he has enough evidence that Molly is an unfit mother, quote unquote. Yeah, there's no way that's how custody battles really work, but okay. Yeah. (laughs) So Molly then argues that he was never there for the kids when they needed him, and he is basically only doing this to spite her. During the court session, Molly tells the judge that she loves her kids and that they should stay with her. And then Frank's lawyer steps in and argues that Frank uh, tried to help Molly out. Yeah, so I was going to talk about this. So I actually absolutely cannot stand the lawyer. And I know that you're not supposed to stand. I've I've watched many a Law and Order where, uh, you know, the defense attorney is just the biggest jerk ever. Um, so I was used to it, but I was also just like this lawyer, it's almost like Molly beat up his mom or something. Cause he seemed to take this like personal stank, uh, attitude towards her. Yeah. And like, just like, just so we're clear, everyone, this custody battle is because she decided to be a coach for a high school football team. Like she's not beating her kids. No. <laughs> she's not abandoning them, but she's having this ridiculous stupid ass custody battle because she decided to take a, a job working for high a high school okay she just went from one high school to the next maybe she shouldn't be bringing her kid her you know underage daughters to high school parties but other than that there's nothing wrong with what she's doing so this whole custody battle nonsense is a is just a crapshoot <laughs> and so while this lawyer is sitting here talking about how she's complete and utter trash i'm like you're trash <laughs> that's what i kept thinking <laughs> yeah it's it's weird it's stupid um <laughs> So Frank like steps in and argues that Frank tried to help Molly out by providing a private school for the girls while also providing a job 
opportunity for Molly. But Molly perseveres by saying that Frank tricked her into quitting um, the one thing that she took pride in, which was football coaching. However, she states that she did call Frank a motherfucker, to which her lawyer is like, okay, like, can we just strike that from, you know, the record? (laughs) Yeah, I think also her argument is technically it's true because she's a mother and they used to fuck. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, great argument, Molly. This is working out great. (laughs) Uh, Molly's players entered the courtroom to be like witness testimonies. However, it doesn't go well because like Tremaine tries to flirt with the judge, and then some of the other players, like, yeah, basically tried to talk back at the judge, and yeah, it doesn't go well. So Frank's lawyers then asked the judge for Molly to never have the kids near the football team or attend any games or parties, to which Molly then makes a deal with Frank. Uh, She will quit coaching after the season and work at the private school, and Frank accepts the offer while the team is, like, already upset. Like, they're like, oh, my God, like, you're going to quit type of thing while they're sitting in the back. The next day, Central High School is playing against Prescott High School. And throughout the game, the Prescott team plays very dirty and leads by 14 points. Like they're stepping on like the, you know, the Central yeah. players. There's feet. some serious, like they should have gotten so many flags. Like there's, I know. there's a of Central getting their ass beat. And Prescott, like there's a shot where this guy just grabs the, um, the face yeah. mask and pulls it. I'm like, I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure that's illegal. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure they're immediately flip, like throw the yellow flag up. Yeah. Like, or like the, the, you said that there's a shot of a cleat coming down on a guy's hand and another yeah. shot of someone kicking dirt into someone's face. I'm like, why aren't half of these dudes like kicked out of the game? <laughs> a very sketchy thing. Yeah. Uh, so, the Prescott team leads by 14 points at the end of the first half. And during halftime, Molly tries to coach the team, but the team blame each other for why they're behind. Yeah, um, they're not mean about it. They're more like down on their luck, sad about it. Yeah. They're like, we're bummed and we kind of quit and we're kind of quitting because you kind of quit. So yeah. It's not more of like that sort of insensitive rudeness they were given her earlier in the the movie. It's more of like, we're defeated. Yeah. Over the course of like the conversation, they end up saying that they're upset that Molly is quitting the team. So then Molly believes that they're quitting like the game or not even trying to play because she is quitting. So then she goes out to the stands outside and confronts frank and tells him that the deal is off and she also tells frank that she doesn't want the girls to know her as a quitter and then without any argument frank just accepts it and tells her that they will work it out yeah he's just conveniently understanding all of a sudden (laughs) yeah which i'm like dude like you spent like nearly the entire film trying to ruin your uh ex-wife's career and everything and 
Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, even though I've been extremely unreasonable, haven't listened to you one bit, tried to take your children away, because you've come out here with your hands on your hips, I'm suddenly going to agree with everything you say. Movie done. We out. <laughs> <laughs> During the second half, uh, the team manages to catch up and tie the game. No, the the team miraculously becomes just a really good football team. Yeah. They're playing the same team. (laughs) But from from just because Molly stood up to her husband, suddenly they've gained skills they didn't have 20 minutes before. (laughs) Like all of a sudden they become miraculous. Yeah. Doing touchdowns. They have the greatest stunt doubles ever. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's some doubles finally came today. Okay, Seriously. great. Now we can now we can actually play football. Yes. Oh my goodness. Uh so while the game is happening, Finch goes to the Prescott side to tell Darwell that he only plays uh when Molly pays him. But once Starwell calls him a fat ass and tells him to leave, um, Finch uh, then goes to Molly and tries to ask her to let him play. Uh, He even takes out cash from his uh, pants and tries to hand it to Molly. However, Darwell and his assistant coaches believe that Molly is handing Philip the money to play. So when he keeps his cash in his cup when he's playing. Yeah. And then like, uh, I think it was like when Prescott was about to do a kick, Molly lets Philip play. And then he basically blocks the ball, which is kind of funny the way they shot it. Like this long shot of this like 300 pound man doing the highest jump ever. (laughs) I know it kind of looked like he just all of a sudden was Superman and like jumped 30 feet to the <laughs> and, and happens to block the, the yeah. field goal kick. Yeah, so he blocks the ball and Levander picks up the ball and goes for a touchdown, making Central win the championships. Darwell becomes enraged and argues to the ref that Molly paid Philip to play. Uh, Noah believes him, not even his, like, players. Well, it's and... not that they believe him. They just don't want – he keeps saying, like, someone check his pants. And obviously that's disgusting, so. Yeah, and everyone's, <laughs> like – Trying to get people to, ch- to reach their hand into his cup to pull out money that he thinks Molly handed him. Yeah, because, like, he does say, like, oh, he, he, he put the money in his pants. And then I guess, like, his quarterback was, like, dude, we don't have any – pockets in the pants and then that's when dar was like oh it's inside you gotta like look yeah, it's for in it. his jock and he's like and he's trying to get his players to reach into his jock strap and pull out cash and they're like we're not doing that yeah and then he was like well i'll like kick you out of the team and then some of them were like well we're seniors so yeah go ahead and then he's like i'll do it which is <laughs> still technically pedophilia yeah and then molly is like um can you like shake my hand before you do that and he doesn't want to do that and then that's when philip picks him up like him over his head yeah and then basically manages to um 
have Darwell shake Molly's hand. And Finch basically throws him back to the ground, but it's like covered in mud. Um, yeah, so he's covered in, he's like a little piglet. Yeah. In the mud. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, Central High team celebrates uh, before cutting to credits. And throughout the credits, uh, the team performs football rap. And that's that's the end of the film. Yay. <laughs> nice shot. <laughs> uh, so yeah, what, what do you think about uh, Molly McGrath? Um, I think that, and this is more of like how I feel about the whole movie. I think that it there was a missed opportunity because I find myself comparing, like I said, um, this movie to um, like Coach Carter, like Friday Night Lights, the series, things like that, um, where, you know, you have this coach and it's always like nine times out of 10, it's a dude, but like you have a coach that comes in and like transforms this team that has never been known as a winning team into like these rock stars and and things like that and I guess because she was a woman for whatever reason filmmakers and studio execs were like there's no way that this could be sustained as just a movie about a like a smart football coach um like a smart and savvy football coach so I guess I was a little bummed because we didn't get to see enough of like what made her so special as a football coach. Like she was, she was like, I know a lot about football, but we never actually saw her do anything football related. She was never, she never like had this beautiful mind about football. It was just, she had a bunch of plays her dad uh, gave her, but the, the, we never saw this, the thing, you know? Yeah. And I feel like they were like, I don't know why, maybe because of, female viewers or for for male for male satisfaction they were like we can't just have this be a straight movie where she's just good at football and she's fighting against the odds like we have to give her this other element that women can relate to in you know being a single mom and having a custody battle and dealing with ex-husbands and that was sort of that became sort of her central problem not so much the adversity in her being like a successful football coach. And that kind of bummed me out because you don't have that when you watch Friday Night Lights and you don't have that when you watch like Coach Carter or, you know, Remember the Titans or something like that. Like you, when it's a man, it, 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 the family element is secondary yeah, uh, it, or non-existent altogether. And so you get to focus on like I remember coach Carter was all about like Sam Jackson he he was all like I'm gonna teach you guys how to um have the most insane stamina ever and your whole thing is gonna be you're gonna be able to outrun everybody and so he had like an unorthodox way of like practicing the team and stuff and like I was a little bummed that they didn't show what made her such a cool coach um but other than that like I thought it was cool just because it was nice to see. Um, I hadn't seen it before, like this morning. So um, it was uh, it was fun to see sort of like what you don't really see anymore, which is like a white woman, you know, doing this whole power play thing of trying to take over 
a football team and despite all the rudeness and sexism and sometimes like extremely inappropriate comments like endure and like turn them into like a rock star team so so I, I liked Molly McGrath you know I wish she was a little bit tougher but I appreciate the the, the sentiment that they were going for so overall extremely long story long she uh she she was a she was awesome she was an awesome character to watch yeah need one of those yeah I really liked her I think that um in my opinion it would have been great to have like a father-daughter relationship like maybe bring in like her dad be right. like hey like so then you could see like her passion yeah, in football yeah yeah I kind of felt that she was a like they made it seem like that oh like she could like break her like bone just by falling type of thing they made her seem Dang. very like yeah and which physically like she probably would have been fine just had like a scratch or something <laughs> in my opinion right <laughs> um uh, and yeah, I do agree that they that this film was more focused on um, like her custody battle with her ex-husband than focusing on like just her being passionate in football and wanting to coach football. Yeah, I mean, I still love Goldie Hawn. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I do agree that it would have been great if she could like stand up for herself but then at the same time that's kind of what the main goal of it was for the entire film yeah they stand up to herself even though oh uh, yeah like even though like it became a little too easy <laughs> yeah she did eventually do it which is the point like you said <laughs> yeah and I, I I still like that she still like kept going despite having a bunch of guys being like oh well you're just a girl or you know, like you don't know football or like saying very sexist comments. Yeah. Um, they, yeah. Regu they regularly called her and themselves pussies, which I thought was. Yeah. Wild. Like sexual harassment all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, what did you think about Dan Darwell? Um, well, I actually like him more now that I realize that's the dude from Rizzoli and Isles. Yeah. <laughs> But I think that um, in general, you know, it's basically what you would expect. Believe it or not, like I actually thought he was better than most rival football coaches. Like he threw a tantrum like you would expect. But the fact that just out of a joke, he actually went out of his way to get her a varsity football job. Yeah. <laughs> Which I just thought was hilarious. Like, hey, I'm going to get her back by getting her more than what she wanted. Like, it's like okay yeah it's like great <laughs> thank you <laughs> I don't know I just he didn't really upset me too much because he's the one he's responsible for getting her her job whether it was a joke or not like yeah thank you for your service <laughs> yeah <laughs> so <laughs> yeah uh yeah I think like for me um I kind of felt like he was very like a little bit of like evil guy type of you know what I mean where he's like oh I'll like give her this job and then she will like <laughs> crumble under the pressure you know it, it kind of felt a little bit like that and 
I thought it was kind of funny that in the end he's just like covered in mud like doing like the the tantrum yeah I think like it would have been nice to kind of like maybe see him like a little bit more um maybe like watch the team like from a distance you know what I mean like because I think that would have been great to see that because like maybe if like he finds out that yeah, Molly's doing like all these like um really good plays that what if he like takes some of her plays and you know what I mean like a little bit more. Uh what did you think about the team, the Central High team? Um I mean they were cool, they were teenage boys, you know, they were where they were playing teenage boys. Yeah. So you can't really take them too seriously. Um I personally didn't um I recognized a lot of the players but I mean I think they were cool I, I, they weren't too they were pretty disrespectful in the beginning but I think once they miraculously mellowed out they were they were fun to watch and you know I was rooting for them and everything like that so um yeah they were they were decent I think yeah yeah, yeah. I think grades up <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah like, I do agree that, like, they just were very defiant, like, in the beginning. And then, like, that one track and field, like, events <laughs> made them change their minds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it would have been nice to at least, like, have a little bit more um, maybe throughout, like, that. Even though they still, like, accept her as their coach, like, at least, like, have moments where they are defiant. Like I know Philip Finch was a little bit at some at a couple of times, but he wasn't actually like a player for the team. Yeah. He was just a replacement. But it would have been great to at least like have a little bit more defiance from them throughout, you know, later on into the film. But yeah, well, that kid Peanut was telling her to go fuck herself basically the whole movie. So there's that. But you know, I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> A little bit more pushback would have been yeah but yeah that's that's kind of it yeah i still love the film would recommend it to you know in terms of like a strong female character um and like dealing with like feminist issues i really like it yeah i think Uh, um like if you're like doing an intro to sports movies this is one I would definitely recommend. It doesn't go too heavy on the sports lingo or any details. And you can basically figure out what's going on if you don't know anything about football. But especially like if you're, you know, a sports movie uh, connoisseur or someone who is going to write a sports movie or something like this is definitely like a nice one-on-one um, movie to, to sink your teeth into. So I recommend it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that is it for this episode. If you uh, like this episode, please review us on Apple Podcasts. You don't have to like really like go into detail. You could just say you know, just say random things. I don't know. Or you can go into detail. Whatever <laughs> comment you want, ladies and gentlemen, as long as it's positive. Yeah. <laughs> You can also follow us on Instagram at J-N-D-J-A-N-D-M 
underscore podcast. Uh, you can also email us for any ideas or suggestions at jandmpodcast at gmail.com. Um, do you have any last words? or? I would say uh, keep hope alive. Uh, wear your masks. The sun is also a star. Uh, what else? Um, if you haven't watched virtual reality on YouTube, what are you doing? Like seriously. <laughs> and, uh, you know, enjoy the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the evening. <laughs> or whatever day that occurs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so thank you again for listening and hope you come back next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>